0: Welcome to my Love Life podcast, episode number 211 Memories. Yours, mine, or theirs? It's February 12th, 2024. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and so on. I am also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well loved, even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any fashion. There is no longer any music for my podcast intros or outros. I request I request, and invite you to join the movement I'm creating to get other podcasters and social media content creators to ditch the music when combined with voice, because that's a way to include people who have hearing loss or are hard of hearing. End of non-musical intro. Memories, yours, mine, or theirs? Oh my goodness, people, I think you're going to find this podcast very interesting. Before I break this apart, visit my website, enter my giveaway, download my free emotional processing workbook right below the Newsweek logo. As I mentioned in the podcast intro, this podcast and everything that I provide, none of it, is designed or intended to be medical or therapy advice. It is simply not that. I do have transcripts on RSS.com. Uh, they will be changing. I'm working on fixing them. I know they're horrible right now. If you are feeling suicidal or life is too hard for you, please stop and call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or call or text 988. Memories. Memories. Yours, mine, or theirs? Well, I have to tell the truth on this podcast. First of all, it was not on my list of podcasts to make in any capacity. I happened to be researching another podcast topic when I happened upon, by the Holy Spirit, by the universe, by the hand of God, by whatever, this fascinating piece on memory. I was very captivated, so I had, I had to look at it a little bit further. This is a very big topic, and what I'm doing is I'm only gonna be providing the high points because research is great, but we only need to know what we need to know. We don't need to know everything. So before I dive in, I do have to say, this must be noted. It has to be noted in case you are not aware. People who are liars, cheaters, narcissists, psychopaths, as well as other people who have particular mental health disorders will use the phrase, I don't remember, or I can't remember, or something like that, usually on a regular basis. In the case of liars, cheaters, narcissists, psychopaths, and other people, individuals who have a mental health disorder or they could be the garden variety abuser, they actually know what you're asking. They simply do not wanna reveal the truth. My request is that you take notice. If someone in your life or someone in your circle has a regular instance where they are saying, I don't remember, I can't remember, or arguing with the way you remember it, in a way that makes them look better, I would, it would give me pause because <laughs> I know, I know for a fact, people, that that is what some people do. They, they lie and say, I can't remember, or I don't remember, etc. When they actually do remember it, they just don't want to admit it. Now, <clears throat> I'm gonna condense some of the research about how the memory works because this to me is a game changer. What I found to me as a human being given where I'm at in life, this is a game changer. So I'm condensing this into the most simplistic form, I beg your indulgence. So in memory, there's a couple, there's three phases I'm gonna talk about. Uh, So first of all, there's encoding. What happens with the memory is information comes into your brain through your senses. So whatever senses are being utilized, that information is, is transferred to your brain which then transforms the information into a format that can be stored as a memory. This is dependent on what type of information and which senses your brain receives the information in. So there's encoding, that's the first part. The second part is storing. So once the brain gets the information through the senses and encodes it, the first step, then the brain can store it within the memory. Now, there are different parts of memories and different parts or places where memories are stored in the brain across different locations and regions, it's not all in one place. So storing is part two. Three is the retrieval or retrieving. Re-accessing the information stored within the memory. When thinking of a certain memory, you are going to access different parts of your brain and the brain will then connect those pieces of information. So we've got the encoding, storing, and retrieving. Now, (laughs) there are many, many other terms and pieces of memory, but I will mention three categories, simplified again, One is sensory information, the second is short-term memory, and the third is long-term memory. And within each category, there are subcategories, which I'm not going to get into because I just don't feel it's that relevant. We go for the high points in research. We go for what's relevant. So that's kind of an overview on memory. Now, in the research, there is this terminology that is titled memory distortion. And that memory distortion is a memory or recollection of past events that becomes changed or inaccurate with time. And that includes modification, misunderstanding, and misinterpretation of a situation. So memory distortion is a very real thing. And there are several different forms of memory distortion. One is misattribution. The example in the research was, you remember the right event, but you attribute learning the information from the wrong source. You thought it was from a friend, it was actually from a different friend or it was from an article or from something. So one is misattribute, misattribution, misattribute, misattribution. misattributation. Two is false memories. And that are memories that actually never happened. Three is suggestibility, which addresses the fact that we are easily influenced in memory distortion by others. And four is called source amnesia. And source amnesia is storing memory correctly, but while recalling it, we misremember it. So memory distortion is, according to the research, very real and very common, and there are a couple things that will impact memory distortion, which I think are worth noting. One is your emotions. There's quite a bit of evidence that your emotions are going to impact your memory. Two is stress. There's no question stress impacts your memory and impacts memory distortion. Three is what they call schemas. Schemas are basically mental, mental frameworks in our minds that help us organize information and life. And number four is the misinformation effect. What the misinformation effect is, is a false piece of information coming in after an event, after the event, which can lead to memory distortion. So misinformation effect, a false piece of information after an event, which can lead to memory distortion. I think where that's applicable, people, is smear campaigns, poisoning the well, et cetera. But anyway. All right. So we've got emotion, stress, schemas, and misinformation effect are things that impact distorting your memory. Now, a couple general high points from the research. So I really just kind of went through the research and called some significant points number one the brain's ability to remember is highly vulnerable to suggestion according to neuroscience two memory distortion is common very common memory is not perfect three trauma memories are subject to the rules of engagement for all memories meaning that they can be distorted so people are susceptible to memory distortions for experiences of trauma as well. Now, <laughs> there were a couple terms in in this research piece called Understanding the Dynamic and Destiny of Memories by Lucas D. Olivia Alves Alvarez from Neuroscience Biobehavior, REV, which I'm going to guess is I don't know what. Uh, So according to Lucas D. Oliveria Oliveria, Alvarez in Understanding the Dynamic and the destiny Destiny of Memories, there's three pieces I wanted to include. One is reconsolidation. Reconsolidation was mentioned in other literature pieces, and that is memories that are being changed or modified when they're reactivated. Extinction. This is when a memory can be temporar- temporarily inhibited by a second memory that carries with it the opposite meaning. So extinction is when a memory can be temporarily inhibited by a second memory that carries with it the opposite meaning. This might be your brain's way of creating dealing with cognitive dissonance because two conflicting memories might be a problem. And number three from the article is forgetting a memory that fades uh, and loses its significance. So uh, the O's three terms, consolidation, reconsolidation, extinction, and forgetting, I thought were significant. And this next piece is titled, the article is titled how emotion leads to selective memory. Neuroimaging Imaging Evidence. You've all heard the term, I'm sure, oh, they have selective memory. This is imaging evidence, neuroimaging evidence on the topic of selective uh, selective memory. So this is from Neuropsychologia. And I had to look up that journal. So Neuropsychologia is an international interdisciplinary journal Devoted to experimental and theoretical contributions that advance understanding of human cognition and behavior from a neuroscience perspective. Well, we do like neuroscience. We like science if it can be validated. So this is from June 1st, 2012, Neuropsychologia. It's by Jill D. Waring and Elizabeth A. Kensinger. The title is How Emotion Leads to Selective Memory, Neuroimaging Evidence. This is a quote I'm going to read from the abstract. Quote, emotion-induced memory trade-off effect describes enhanced memory For emotional relative to neutral items that is accompanied by a decrement in memory for the backgrounds that are associated with those emotional items. Memory for the background context is, quote, traded off, end quote, in favor of memory for the emotional items. So this is talking about the science, end quote of selective memory and reducing background or trading off background items for more emotional items. So there is looking more and more like a body of science to support selective memory. And almost last but not quite least, I have the this quote from this article, this is titled, This is very significant, by the way. This this quote, I think, is very significant. This is the title of the journal piece. The Fallibility of Memory in Judicial Processes, Lessons from the Past and Their Modern Consequences. This is from memory, July 4, 2015, by Mark L. Howe and Lauren M. Knott. K-N-O-T-T. Here's the quote. I might read it twice, too. It's very significant. Quote, because the contents of our memories for experience involve the active manipulation during encoding, integration with pre-existing information during the consolidation, and reconstruction during retrieval of that information, Memory is by definition fallible at best and unreliable at worst, end quote. So in this article, Mark L. Howe and Lauren M. Knott in Memory, July 2015, are talking about the fact that memory at best is fallible and at worst, it's completely unreliable. Which, which is concerning. Now, what is the significance of this research? Why would I even care about this? Why should you even care about this? Well, I don't know where you're at about this, but I have to say, I do not believe in any regard in 2024 that most of the population would, would agree that memory is highly fallible. I don't think people would agree to that. And I certainly don't think people would probably agree with memory being highly susceptible to influence. This would be a good time if I had friends at the Gallup poll for them to do some Gallup polls about memory. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure this is not common knowledge. Yet the research and literature in PubMed on memory is astounding. It's, it was very, very rich, very rich. I, I gave you the high points. So why I think this is significant from my point of view is that it can help in relationships. I'm committed to having the best relationships possible in my life with everyone, no question. Well, everyone that's good people, the bad people, the people that make me the scapegoat and are my haters. Yeah, no, I don't care about them, but... The difference in that you are going to have a different memory, very likely than someone else, can be very helpful in relationships. If we had that as a starting point, you could have a conversation where you say, oh, is that how you remember it? Oh, I, I, I don't remember it. This is This is what I remember. And you could compare and contrast and not have one of you that has to be right and one of you that has to be wrong. Number two is with trauma memories. Understanding that memory is valuable and maybe completely unreliable might make a difference in dealing with trauma and trauma memories. Certainly number three, it would make a difference with memories in general because then you could question, you could question the accuracy. And this for sure, in my humble opinion, comes into play When smear campaigns or poisoning the well or triangulation or gossip is going on because people's memories are susceptible. And if someone thought you were nice, then they hear this negative piece. Do you remember the terminology that we... We went over what was it? Oh, extinction. A memory can be temporarily inhibited by a second memory that carries with it the opposite meaning. So if someone thinks you're a nice person, they hear the smear campaign or poison the well. And so that original experience of you gets inhibited for the second memory. It could certainly, number five, impact disagreements and fights. It could certainly number six there are legal and judicial implications for a magnitude of situations just it's a huge judicial and legal implications in all kinds of cases not just criminal and number seven I really have to say this but I think it has pretty stunning implications for the fact that we have a disproportionate percentage of of black men in prison compared to the percentage of the population of black men. Something has to account for that, people. I'm not sure what it is, but it hasn't been addressed. It's a social justice issue in my book that, everyone just seems to ignore and this may be a big piece of it so i did have last year i found an article in pubmed that was about how we remember things differently to make ourselves look better look better in our own mind which i spent too long in pubmed looking for it i i looked through my papers to see if i'd printed out just the first page i i need a better way of of organizing my my PubMed research journals, um, so I couldn't find it. But there was a research piece very stunning about how we will remember things inaccurately to make ourselves look better. Now, in case you're interested, this is important to me because my concern for my people—that would be you, my people listening to my podcast, and my people, you know, looking at my content—is your mental health and wellness. That's what I care about. I care that you're happy, healthy, and well-loved. That's what I want for you, plain and simple. So anything that can be a negative on your mental or emotional health or your happiness is something that catches my eye. So there were two pieces. One is called, one article from Pet, PubMed is called A Memory-Based Theory of Emotional Disorders. Now that's in Psychology Review, July 2022. So they're talking now in the research about memory related to emotional disorders. I think that's significant. And the other article, which I'm going to mention, is titled, Forgetting Unwanted Memories, Active Forgetting and Implications for the Development of Psychological Disorders. That one is by Marco Costanzia et al., the Journal of, I don't know, that's the title, Forgetting Unwanted Memories, Active Forgetting and Implications for the Development of Psychological Disorders. I apparently forgot to look up, I have this journal abbreviation, but as you know, some of the journals I have to like really search for to find out what's the actual name, but you should, you you could find it from that. So there's some pointing to, there's some fingers pointing to that Forgetting emotional memories or altering your memories can be related to some psychological or development of psychological problems, which is something to take note of. Now, because this is a podcast on memory, I have to give a mention about Alzheimer's and dementia, even though I might not really care to. I'm going to because this is on on topic to talk about at least a mention of, of Alzheimer's and dementia. So I have been, as a human being, involved in integrative medicine for over 20 to 23 years. And I have produced enough results, extraordinary results, that one situation was presented at an international medical conference approximately 10 years ago for the results that I oversaw without giving any more details. Now, in person, in person, I saw the the impact of, of a term. I'm gonna give you the title of a book, but I saw this in real life. So the title of the book is called The Reversibility of Chronic and Degenerative Diseases, which is by Dr. William Ray, R-E-A, and Dr. Kalpana Patel. So let me tell you that title again. The Reversibility of Chronic and Degenerative Diseases. I saw that happen in real life over over many years, over many years. This is not a, a two, three, or four, or five year project. I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know of the textbook. I'm not even sure it was published at that point, or at a, but it was published at a certain point. I do have that actual textbook. It's a medical textbook that is way over my pay grade. I think there are something like 500 citations per chapter. It's like so overwhelming. It is the most complex science that you're gonna find, it's science. So I saw that happen in real life, and on the topic of dementia and Alzheimer's, which would fall under a chronic or degenerative disease, I have to mention this physician, Dr. Dale E. Brennison, B-R-E-D-E-N-S-E-N-M-D. He is an internationally recognized expert in the mechanism of neurogenic Degenerative Diseases So he's an Internationally renowned Recognized expert in the mechanism Of Neurodegenerative diseases Which is what we're talking about With dementia or Alzheimer's He has a book out It's for lay people As far as I can tell Titled The End of Alzheimer's Which is the first program to Prevent and reverse Cognitive decline. If you have a concern about Alzheimer's or dementia, I have just laid out for you two different books. One's a layperson's book, The End of Alzheimer's, and a medical textbook if you're a doctor or you want to take it to a doctor um, by Dr. Ray and Dr. Patel. Doctors, physicians like Doris Rapp, Doris Rapp, MD, is board certified in three fields of medicine, not one, three. You hardly find doctors who are board certified in two fields these days. And, and I think that board certification is, is might be dying off. Dr. Rapp and other physicians like Dr. Doris Rapp have been beating the drum for decades about the impact of toxins on human health. Yet here we are in 2024, so toxic as human beings that we are birthing babies that ha- are being born with cancer and leukemia and we are acting as if this is normal. Let me tell you, if you go talk to somebody who's over the age of 60 or you know some old person, they will tell you in the 1960s, 70s, and through part of the 80s, nobody was obese, everyone was thin, people were healthy, We had very rare instances of pediatric cancer. It was a very different time. So if you are concerned about dementia or Alzheimer's in any capacity, I would simply start getting yourself educated. I would because the situation I was talking about that was presented about about 10 years ago at an international conference, that person was not expected to live They were not expected to live. They're still alive and it's a very big deal. And I didn't know enough at the time to understand what I understand now, but you have resources. So use them. End of rant on Alzheimer's and dementia. All right. So what are you going to do moving forward with this new information? Well, personally, I think it's just a total game changer to be talking about the ways that our memories are impacted, the way that we have memory distortion. I think this is a complete game changer. So number one, bring wisdom to your your life. And when I say bring wisdom to your life in the area of memory, I'm talking about number one, your memory is fallible. Your memory is not reliable like you think it is. Number two, (sighs) The memories that you have of your life are susceptible and may be inaccurate. Number three, memory distortion is real. It's real and is influenced by other things. And four, memories are are susceptible to influence and there are trade-offs in many cases or in some cases selective memory when emotions are involved. That's That's a lot of wisdom to bring to your life. It could really make a difference. I think that that is a game changer, myself. Number two, under the adage of seek first to understand, we now understand variations in memory are normal. This is different now. It's different now. You can say to someone, wow, that's very interesting that that's how you remember it. Thank you for sharing that with me. I remember it very differently. And you could compare and contrast your memories But first, seek to understand what someone else, where they're coming from. And it may be that their memory was distorted. Or it may be that they heard a smear campaign or a smart poisoning of the well with you. And they're having a moment of memory extinction where their good memory of you is inhibited by the smear campaign. I really think this is like remarkable. So that's, that's, seek first to understand. Number three Compassion. Oh, I hope this will give you compassion not only for yourself but for other people. I'm a fan of compassion. All right, so number four if memory loss or Alzheimer's or dementia is a concern, this is something you can impact using neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity is basically growing your brain, it's growing new neuronal matter. So you know, if memory is a concern or memory loss is a concern, I would just dive right in and take advantage of neuroplasticity. That's like your best, well, that and, you know, doing other things, which I'll get into in a minute, but adopt a growth mindset. Instead of a fixed mindset, we're gonna take Carol Dweck's terminology, which is called a growth mindset, and you can start growing yourself and improving your life. That will not only grow yourself and improve your life, it will improve your brain, like you get all the benefits. Number five, I do suggest any and all efforts that you are willing to engage in to detoxify your body, And boost your nutrition based on what I know about inflammation in the body and in particular inflammation in the brain. Now I don't give out medical advice or therapy advice in my podcast. So that's as much as I'm going to say, although I might know more. I certainly might know more. So my suggestion would be it's not going to hurt you to boost your nutrition and do anything you can to detoxify your body in a, in a, you know, in a supervised way. I I don't, I don't recommend (laughs) self-medication. So talk to your doctor, use, you know, use valid sources, people. Number six, As I mentioned at the very outset of this podcast, I would seriously, seriously be very wary of anyone who uses the phrase with you, I can't remember, I don't recall, on a regular basis. If that's the case, maybe you should be checking them out for early Alzheimer's or early dementia because that is a hard and fast tactic of an abuser. It's a tactic of manipulation to cop to. Oh, I don't remember. Oh, I can't. I can't recall. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Just be wary and be mindful of that. Number seven influences on your thinking. I have. This is me talking out loud with you now. So I did a podcast recently on influences on your thinking. In the podcast on influences on your thinking, I talk about sixteen different influences on your thinking there's i'm sure way more than 16 but i covered 16 of them in talking out loud with you in this podcast i have to suspect that the same things that influence your thinking are going to be influencing your memory your memory encoding your memory recollection or retrieval it makes all the sense in the world To me, that what influences your thinking could very well also influence your memory. Just something to think about. In closing, for me, this content of understanding the complete unreliability is what we're talking about. Unreliability of memory is a game changer. It brings a lot of compassion and wisdom and understanding for me in looking to understand other people, because I have had situations where we bumped up against. Well, what do you mean you remember it that way? What? Like that's not ha- that's not what happened. And this is this is to me extremely helpful. Of course, if you have somebody saying, "I don't know, I don't remember, I don't know," I would get your red flag up. The red flag is waving, and do what you need to do about that. If you're concerned about dementia or Alzheimer's, I already gave you some suggestions about that. Listen, get, if you really are (coughs) like a suspicious uh, from Missouri show me kind of person, then I would get the medical textbook titled The Reversibility of Chronic and Degenerative Diseases by William Ray and Kapana Patel and take it to your doctor or get it doctor who's a friend make a friend of a doctor and go through it with them because i'm telling you as someone who has the book and has gone through the book it is you're not going to get a medical textbook that's probably more referenced than that I, i just don't think so and i've seen it done in person with someone who was never supposed to survive so do your due diligence if you have a concern about that I hope this has been helpful. I hope you can see how this could have a huge impact on your life and on your relationships. That's it for memory. Yours, mine, or theirs? Mm, I don't know. I do love you. Hang in there for now. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 211, Memories. Yours, mine, or theirs? Well, I hope you have some new thoughts about memories as a result of this podcast. Please share this on social media because what will make a difference is other people understanding that their memories may not be correct and they don't need to like dig in and fight you tooth and nail. So share this podcast on social media. I do love you. Take care. That's it.